Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. First come back. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome everybody back to another Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. I am your host, Adam Cousins, again, and we do have another Darton crossover, uh, which I really enjoy. Um, but before I get to that, um, before I introduce my guest, he knows he's getting an introduction, so he knows when to say hello. Um, I've got a little bit of something I need to say. Um, firstly, um, anyone that listens to this show will know that it is a little, we appreciate everyone that comes on. We appreciate every listener that we have, whether that's on YouTube, whether that's on Spotify or Apple. Every guest that we've had on has been amazing for us. I never thought I'd be talking to people that are revolutionized the industry like Vince Russo, women that have broke down barriers like Molly Spartan or Melina Perez wrestling veterans of British independent wrestling like beers and beatdowns, wrestling promoters, Eric Rowan, Matt Edgar, Santino, I could go on. Um, for me today, this interview is, they're all special, but this one means more to me personally. Um, for someone, you, when you talk about wrestling, you always talk about people that you can relate to, that you have that, you know, you just have that experience with, but the, and I have wrestlers that do that, um, but today, for me, and quote Lance Stormy, um, this one hits me because I've always felt that I've kind of known him without knowing him. And I'm just going to admit Andy in now, who's joining us on the road. So hang on. Ah, here he's just. Andy, you're just about to hear me finish off being a fanboy. I was just being a fanboy. So just hold a thought there, Andy. Um, so anyway, going back to me being serious for a minute. Um, when it comes to this particular guest, this one hits me like it would me meeting Stone Cold or something like that. That's how much this guest means to me. Anyway, enough of the seriousness. I'm going to start the fun bit of the actual introduction. Uh, uh, Andy, welcome to begin with. I see you on the road. I am. I'm delivering beer to the nation, mate. We can't have these Brits going alcohol-free, mate, but I'm, uh, I've got some time, mate. So I, I was never missing this guest, mate. This is huge. I know. I, was, uh, I drink alcohol-free beer, funnily enough, sometimes. Um, <laughs> There's no, there's no such thing, mate. <laughs> anyway, let's get cracking on. Our guest today is a former PBC darts player. He's now a coach and a commentator. In my opinion, actually, one of the best co-commentators with Dan Dawson on the on the darting circuit. But don't let Wayne Marvel know I said that. Um, he shares the same free loves uh, that we do, Andy, in a lot of ways. Football. We are not talking football today, quite frankly, because his team battered our team on Sunday. And unless he wants us to shoot, which we don't do on this show, he won't mention anything. <laughs> no, yeah, we're not talking football, mate. Yeah, Tottenham yeah. don't exist. Exactly. Uh, he burst onto the scene uh, and quickly became one of the most controversial players and characters in the PBC, starting from the fans hating him for being an Aussie jewelry. Uh, he then went along to use CM Punk, uh, uh, the, the great CM Punk, who wound up his guys on stage. Uh, he was a 2010 champion. A 2011 Champions League darts runners-up, the 2012 World Cup finalist with Simon Whitlock in undoubtedly the best cup final I've ever seen of darts. Anyway, uh, England won it, so anyway, it's great. Uh, but it, obviously, he was representing Australia. Um, please welcome to the show the A-lister of the PDC, the asset, Paul Nicholson. Welcome. <clears throat> Thank you for that great introduction. It's uh, really great to join you guys today. Thank you. Uh, Paul, let's start. Your love of wrestling 
where did it start? How did it start? And what's your first memories of the crazy world of wrestling? I think when I was a kid, like most people my age, it was all about Saturday afternoons and seeing, you know, giant haystacks and Big Daddy going up against each other, hopefully. And uh, there was a little section either towards the beginning or the end of that show where they would talk about WWF. And that was the most exciting part of the entire afternoon because we wanted to know what was happening in America with the likes of uh, Hulk Hogan and all sorts. And I, I didn't have Sky until I was in my late teens. And I remember my good friend at school, Keith Sanderson, he had Sky. And he used to record the stuff that happened on Sky when we were just a little bit older. And this videotape would be passed around everybody and everybody would find out what was happening on WWF superstars and things like that. And I mean, heaven forbid, you know, once a year we would, we would all pass around a tape of, um, of WrestleMania. And uh, when that came out to buy, you know, we'd save our paper and money and go and buy something like that. It was, it was like a different world to us. It was so grand and loud and exciting. And we all wanted to be part of it, but it felt so unachievable at the same time because, you know, going to America to see a wrestling event, that would that was like another planet. And that was something that we just held on to. We all had our favourites. And growing up, we did. Uh, it became a lot closer to me later in life, which is something that I'll never, ever comprehend. <laughs> yeah, I remember... Um, First time I ever went to America. It was my first holiday without my parents. It was a few friends. And I just remember sitting there at wrestling. Well, we had a few wrestling meetings before we met Eddie Guerrero, we met Chris Jericho before uh, on that weekend. But it was just the sitting at my first WrestleMania. And I walked in and I just literally, you felt like a sense of achievement that you got here, you know, and it was the grandest stage of them all. It was, I just felt amazing. But Andy, anything to add from your uh, recollection of wrestling? Just uh, I'm just yeah I'm the same as uh, like you like like Paul says and like you Adam you know what I mean back then this was before Sky I I remember going to like Woolworths and buying all the VHS tapes and like, I literally yeah. had them all lined up in my room like Super um, Tuesday Night in Texas and things like that and SummerSlam and WrestleMania and for us it was like it was really like Paul said it was so hard to uh, to watch wrestling before the days of Sky. I remember when the internet very first came out. I used to log on every like Tuesday morning to WWF.com just to see what happened uh, on Raw. But um, yeah, I mean it, it, for me, I'm, yeah, I'm just the same as you guys. It's, you know the content we've got now. If you if you could go back in time and like, just imagine telling the people right now how we had to get our wrestling content when like especially when us three were all younger, they'd be like, you had to do what? You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it is crazy. But uh, one of the questions um, I'd like to ask Paul, I mean, how much how much has wrestling changed in your eyes from where you were and where I was and where Adam was as a kid? How much do you think wrestling has, has changed now? And is there anything that you miss from when you were growing up watching wrestling that you'd like to see in today's product? That's a great question. I think the, the biggest change is the athleticism of the, the superstars. I think when you look at Andre and uh, you know Hulk Hogan and even what the Warrior and, and things like that, you know they were great talkers and great superstars, 
But as far as the athleticism is concerned, it's a lot more widespread now. And there's a bigger focus on uh, on ladies wrestling as well, which I think is fantastic because if you look at the earlier superstars that were female, say, um, you know, when you had uh, Macho Man Randy Savage bringing Elizabeth to the, to the ring, that was just a glorifyingly beautiful woman that you've never seen the like of before. And you think, well, she'd never wrestle. I mean, when she had a, a tussle with Sherry, you think, hang on a minute, this is a little bit different. And then, then you've got someone like Lita coming in who does moonsaults off the top rope and you think, hang on a minute, this, this, I'm digging this. I like where that's gone. But mm-hmm. the widespread athleticism uh, is very different. You know, you had Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty and then you had, you know, Bret Hart who had that extra athleticism. But for, the, for as long as I live, I will never forget the first time I ever saw AJ Styles live. And I thought, this guy isn't from this planet. He, he is just different to everybody else. And I think that's the main difference for me. Yeah. Was, yeah, I've definitely. Seen, I've seen a video of Hogan in Japan. And he was pulling out Inzaguri's dragon sweeps. Like, you wouldn't believe it. But I, I agree. I think the one thing that I, I, I don't miss is being able to find out stuff. You know, like when we promote crap. Yeah. Like, we're bad for it. But I, I don't like the fact that I have to literally put my phone in another room. Like on Monday, when 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 I found I was on a podcast uh, on Monday with one of the NWA guys, my phone lit. CM Punk mm-hmm. is backstage at Raw, and I was like, like I didn't want to. Well, I didn't really mind knowing, but it's like if you get up at WrestleMania, you specifically said I'm getting up, I'm watching it at maybe a different time, not live, and you wake up and your phone flashes and all of the stuff just comes through. I I, I can't dig that for me. Um, it's not, I miss all the signs at wrestling as well. You know how people used to have the signs. Now everywhere yeah. you go, same at football. Someone's taking a penalty. All you can see is camera phones. And yeah. like, you look back during the attitude. You look back during the attitude era. Like Raw would pan round at the start, and all it would be would be signs everywhere, and people were just there for the wrestling. Don't get me wrong, technology is great. We wouldn't. I wouldn't be out. I'm at work now, and I'm getting to do this. You know, technology is really good. But I miss them kind of like Monday Night Raw when it really was just not everyone. On their on their cell phones, just filming stuff, and it was like it was raw emotion, and you know, technology has taken. You're right, Adam. I knew like I knew about the the, the Triple H announcement before I'd even seen it. Everyone was texting me and tweeting, like especially like the podcast. We were getting loads of tweets. Oh, what do you think of like the new championship? It was like well, I don't know. I haven't watched it yet, but thanks. You know, so yeah, there is yeah, there is that kind of uh, there is that kind of love. But Paul, obviously, we all know you for being a massive CM Punk fan. Yeah, just tell us where that love started. Wait, for any wrestling fans out there and darts fans, when you done that introduction, mate, oh my god! I mean, what did you get in any trouble for that? Uh, I never got in any trouble for doing the mimic the the CM Punk uh, entrance. I mean, I think everybody needs inspiration in their life, wherever it comes from, whether it's a book, a movie, music, and music's always been a, a huge uh, aspect of my inspiration when it comes to doing what I want. And I always wanted to do in my career something that was just a little bit different. But I felt so inspired by his approach or his character's approach in that era that I thought, do you know what? I've been almost bottling up how I feel when I walk on stage and how I perform. And it almost was like um, the same point character had popped the bottle top and said, go and do what you want and screw the consequences. Do you know because we used to have a tournament director called Tommy Cox. He's no longer with us. And he did an incredible amount with 
uh, the PDC, and I'm, I'm amazingly grateful for everything he did when he was alive. But at the same time, he was very restrictive. He would always say, you can't do that. That's not part of the rules. And it almost felt like we were being boxed in. And at the time where that was happening a lot to me with Tommy, CM Punk was sitting on the edge of the stage telling Cena that he's not the best. And he's sitting halfway through a broken table. And I think, this is hitting me hard. And uh, it got to the stage where I thought, no, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to flout the rules as much as I possibly can and screw the consequences. And lo and behold, I had the best nine months of my career because I just went mental. I just screw the respect. And I went out there and I tried to be the best I could possibly be. And people didn't necessarily dislike it uh, when I was playing against them. They just thought they couldn't contain me and they couldn't handle it. But at the same time, I was trying to be respectful to my opponents. What I was trying to do was send a message to the rest of the darting crop that whether there were people who were better than you are, go out there and just give your best and just, you know, screw the consequences because there's so much in the way of rules in sport and darts are seen as a sport and I love that. But ultimately, we have an entertainment aspect that we need to take as well. And I wanted to seize my opportunity. 2011 was my opportunity to do that. And I just took it to the max as much as I possibly could. I've heard you've done a bit of an interview before, and you were like, you're going to put in the bed. I was like, hang on a minute here. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is no new. But people don't, and some people may not remember, not the, that wasn't the first time. Uh, you had done one previously against Raymond Van Barnard, uh, Bar I'll get the name out, um, mm. where you, Punk was leader of the Nexus at the time, where that brand, the Nexus, and you come out wearing the Nexus, I think it was the armband and the scarf, or one of the two. And I remember, I was like, hang on a minute, this guy's, because you never know, what you don't know what you're into, and nobody knows you, you only know you from, you know, throwing a dart. Mm. I remember sitting, and I, I'd always liked you before, because you, you sort of, you gave it all that, and you were the shades, and it was like super cool. I was like, comes on wearing a tire, which was great, and it was like, this is this guy's cool. And then you added that wrestling element into it, and I was like, okay, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, this is this is great. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Taylor one, the Phil Taylor, I, I will never forget it because the message I always have is you sitting on the stage, cross-legged, mm. and I'm just waiting for the. I was kind of waiting for you like to. I don't know, grab the announcer's microphone. Was it John? I don't know if it was John McClendon at the time. Uh, and just yeah. grab it and just start, just start going off. But that was tremendous. One of the things that I wanted to add to that, which we're going to come on to Punk later, but we've moved it around, which is fun. Blame Andy. Um, sorry, we, sorry, my fault. Oh, my well, sorry. <laughs> I wanted to get it in before I actually got to do some work. Yeah, true. Um, before you, um, obviously, we already mentioned you were quite a controversial character. The crowd was getting on your back. Prior to that, I mean, I remember a, a match where you literally, in, in a way, told him to fuck off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you were getting, but do, do you think that, although you had your best nine months, and arguably you did at that point, um, do you also think that that had a detrimental effect going forward? We're going to talk a bit later on about bits of crossovers and characters and how they're affected. Talk a bit about Derwin Price. Um, he gets it more than ever, and he hasn't, you know, for his antics on stage. Um, mm. But do you think that? that kind of had a detrimental effect on your playing going forward. Because one of the things I hate now, and I do, I love the darts. I love watching it, whether it's seniors or the PDC or, you know, Modus, is 
when you get the crowd there and I don't I don't necessarily mind you getting booed when you walked on. That's that's fair. As far as I'm concerned, that's that's fair, that's fine. Throwing a dart or going for a, especially a double, um, and I don't think they understand that there's a lot more into it than just picking up a dart and blasting it at a ball. One of the ones that annoys me is when they're going for a double and you hear that whistle. How's it going, shit, mate? See you, see you later, man. I, uh, well, I, pleasure to meet you, bro. Take care. Keep dreaming, keep dreaming up here. Um, I hate that. Uh, and it really gets on my nerves. So I'm wondering, when, when that CM Punk stuff, it, the crowd got on you even more. Did that actually de- have a detrimental effect on the career going forward after? <clears throat> yeah, I think it, it did mentally with mm. me uh, because I think I made myself a bit of an easy target for the portion of the crowd that mm. wanted to interact in a negative way. Yeah. So I think one of the most interesting things that I've heard in the last year is that, you know, we, we've talked a lot talk a lot about that that period with, with certain players who may have interacted with me. And obviously the most famous being Phil Taylor. I didn't realise until maybe nine months ago that he knew me so well without telling me. <laughs> he said that uh, he wanted to go out there, he wanted to be different, he wanted to be slightly controversial and do things um, his own way. But he wasn't mentally tough enough to handle the consequences when it didn't go his way. And he was absolutely right. I didn't know that he knew that because okay. the amount of times that I would miss doubles or lose matches because of the interaction of the crowd, it, it did go on for quite a few years and it did affect how I would be mentally after matches and, you know, for weeks and months after certain incidents. So that was the biggest thing for me. But I think if I'd look at it from a very different perspective, if I hadn't done all of the, uh, stuff that I'd done to try and rail them up, I wouldn't have been true to myself. I wouldn't have had as much fun because there were times, and don't get me wrong, I mean, Gerwin Price will con- confirm this, when they're booing the living hell out of you when you hit it, that's a great feeling. Yeah, <laughs> It's one of the best feelings because they can do nothing then. But then they'll try and give it back to you in the next leg, if indeed that's the, not the end yeah. of the match. But it, it had a detrimental effect on me, but I still wouldn't change anything because I had a great time. Uh, good. I, I always say that the best ones are when you when you throw the double and you shut up. And then, uh, funnily enough, they're the first ones you see out there that they ask for. Well, I always, I, I, you know, I'm not one. Yeah. I, I'm quite respect when I go to wrestling. Yes, I boo and cheer, but I'm more of an analyzer when I watch wrestling, and I'm always watching what they're doing. Sometimes to a detriment, because I can hear them if I'm sitting mm-hmm. close enough, um, obviously. And even with the darts, I like when I'm there, I'll cheer. I'll probably there's not many that I boo to be fair, but I, when you're throwing. Unless you hit a 180 or a 140, 177 or whatever, boom. That's yeah. And then I'll cheer when you hit the double and all of that stuff. But um, let's go with one of the games because we've, we've, like we've segued a little bit because Andy came in and decided that he was going to postpone delivering some beer to the nation. Uh, first game I'm going to play, I always give him credit. This was Sean Oliver from KFED. Let's click this with Kevin Nash, another great podcast. We don't uh, discriminate on podcasts here. Um, he used to play a game called Word Association with his guest. Eight guests. First thought that comes into your head, uh, I'll play it as well. I've done this quite recently, but I've changed. Okay. First one was, it's obvious who we're going to select first. Uh, CM Punk. <clears throat> uh, revolutionary. Revolutionary. I I put best in the world, but that's that's just because I did. I was going to wear one of his shirts today, but unfortunately it's stained, so I'm going to have to get rid of it. Second one, The Rock. Uh, cool. I've got... Um, 
they used to call himself the most electrifying, but I've got the funniest guy in entertainment. I think he's, I think some of his stuff's great. Wherever he writes, I was going to go with eyebrow, but I went with cool instead. Like that. <laughs> um, DDP. Diamond. I've got a self high five or bang. Um, <laughs> Goldberg. Oh, uh, hilarious. <laughs> I've actually got streak. Funnily enough, I was doing an interview. Uh, it was an in character interview at an event with one of our sponsors a couple of months ago. He had a mystery opponent. I jokingly said it was me. And he said, You're a cross between Goldberg and Gilbert. Yeah. I think I'll take that. Um, Stone Cold. <clears throat> Needed. <laughs> I've got, uh, I'm going to tell a story. I've got South End, and I'll tell you why. Um, I've told this before. I used to work in South End, and his first wife is from South End. And we, I was crossing a junction, and I was crossing it. It was a red light, so I was crossing the road, and there was a big black truck, and it had the Texan flag up in the, on the back. And I jokingly, in my head, said, oh, Stone Cold. And I turned around, and I, and I went to thank them, as you do, even though it was a red light. I didn't have to. It was him. <laughs> wow. and uh, it was only years later when I actually met him he was signing I think it was a Stone Cold Truth DVD I think it was that at Oxford Street I could tell him the story uh, years later but yeah it was him he even said it was him like crazy that's amazing <laughs> I know it's crazy how these things come up um, Sting Outstanding He's still doing it, and he's still going. Yeah, he is just outstanding. I, I'm, I'm hoping. Well, potentially, when AEW come over, it's meant to be maybe his last one uh, here in August. So I'm looking forward. I, I had he was one of those first ones that changed the character so much, but stayed relevant. Like mm. Undertaker and Jericho, will talk about how you know he segued into very badass, and then he went back. Yeah. Jericho keeps on him re reinventing, is what I've got. But Jericho yeah. reinventing himself to stay to the same. Um, One's a, this one's quite a random one. It was one I was trying to think of to be a bit different. Road Dog. <laughs> um, first thing that springs to mind is Ponytail, but I think <laughs> connection, connection actually, because his connection between himself on the mic and the fans is yeah. is elite. It was. Uh, I started with ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> but I wasn't going to carry on. Uh, I literally had um, being with my baby tonight, which is what he sung for Jeff Jarrett. And, and the last one, uh, which is, is uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, athletic. Athletic. I, I've literally got, um, I, A, I had DX, and B, I, I still never forget. I, I said it heaven. I put heaven because I went to WrestleMania 25, and his entrance come down from heaven and untake a shot from hell. And it was just one yeah. Forget that is word association. So we're going to talk crossovers um, between dance or similarities, and we were talking to Matt Edgar about this, and um, we was actually saying that there is kind of similarities, and people would be like, "Well, there's totally different sport, but it's more on what goes on around it and inside it." So I kind of mentioned the PDC uh, calendar now is ridiculous in terms yeah. of like where it was compared to where it is now. There, what if you would come back from Austria. Uh, not long early on this week, probably he was doing commentary in Austria for the mm -hmm. um, the Euro Tour. Um, but they're everywhere, and it's just like a wrestler. One day they're in Chicago, they come back, and then they go back. And I was talking, I remember, maybe even Santino last week, and he was saying that literally the best thing about it recently now is that, that you get an extra day freed up. Like he normally was on like one and a half days, and it's now like two. Mm. Is it makes a big difference. And he was saying that 
one of the things wasn't even in the ring that hurt, it was driving that hurt. Yeah. Because of the, you know, um, but the other thing that Matt Egan made a great point, and I didn't really think about after he said it, was, was in terms of that, you remember the characters. So yourself is another one because of something, not necessarily what you've done on the Yoki, but what, kind of, but what you've done out of it, what you've done on the way to the Yoki. And he was saying, mm-hmm. you remember Peter Wright because he's, he's you know, colorful and he does multicolored hair and people like you remember going price because of that mm. stuff for yourself maybe even a vandenberg and a peterson because they do a dance more yeah. so say you would remember a nathan aspinall not because nathan aspinall wasn't a world-class dance player but because he generally just comes on does what he does and goes off is that mm. something that you agree with <clears throat> uh i think if you were to speak to uh, a regulation darts fan on the street now the perception of the darts player has changed a little bit yeah. For instance, in the late 90s when Phil Taylor was winning every PDC World Championship <laughs> yeah. and Raymond Van Bonneville was coming into his greatness, they would talk about how good they are as dark players. But now, if you mention Peter Wright's name on the street, they'll say, oh, he's colourful, isn't he? So yes. they're referred to as very differently. Now, um, if you talk about modern players and word association with, say, Michael Van Gerwen, maybe the first thing they'll say is green. I say stuntman. Rob Cross. Tell me, we have we have associations with players, and it's about branding as well. Mm. And that's got to be strong if you are going to be one of these elite players. And the one thing that Michael, who celebrated his birthday yesterday, funnily enough, uh, one thing he's been really good at is that this association with this color green. It's been masterful. And yeah. when it comes to the snake by character, that's been cultivated over the last ten. You know, or even twelve years, yeah. and the association with Peter and that character now—it's there. And this is something that future darting superstars have got to learn from. Because if you want only to be not only to be a world champion or a world-class player, you do have to have a hook, a brand, and something that's rather spontaneous at the same time. And this is something that Damon Hetter from Australia is starting to grasp onto. I noticed that bonds are changing. Yeah, I had noticed the entrances of the last year, a couple of European tours. I was like, what's that? Because you don't expect it. He was one of those guys, quite, you know, walks on, does it. All of a sudden, he's dancing around, and he's, I was like, wait a minute. And then you're right, though, that it kind of, you, you obviously, you'd be good. Because, I mean, nowadays, I, I would say, even from, you know, when Phil Phil was playing, it was like Phil. When it was Phil. Mm. Nowadays, anyone in the top 32 has got to squeak if they're, you know, get on a good day. Yeah. You'd never be unheard of nowadays. But it's just like even someone like I know someone like playing, but like James Wade, even I would always now know him because actually he's a left-hander, which is um, I'm a left-hander as well, which is great. But it's just like I would even put even him in a character, although there's not there's not massive character about him as such. But I would always have him in my list of dark players just because I don't know. He's I always say when I play word association over him, I'd be like he'd be a player that I would never want to play, just because he's got one of those ones where like he was steady. Mm. You rarely get a 46. It's always a 99, 97, 95, 100. Yeah. And you're getting down to like the 200s and you've got to go out because he's one of those ones that will just be like 138, bang, 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 you're up. <laughs> yeah, I think if, um, you know, James, if he was a wrestler, <laughs> he would have the ultimate finish. <laughs> because he, he has finished in the last 15, 20 years probably better than anybody on the, on the whole. Yeah, and I think if his finishing move was going to be anything, it would be something like a, a tombstone pile driver. It would yeah. it would not kick out of that. 
You don't know. He is definitely one of those. Uh, I, 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 when I watch him play, there's, there's not a lot of. Ex- let's say the other thing I would say is that I remember dark players for is their throw, as well mm. as their. I mean, I remember when Bob Anderson come out on a horse, you know, <laughs> things like that, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing I, I remember, we're going back to characters and stuff a little bit. But the other thing I remember is throw. I'll always remember a throw. Like um, going back, going back, some like Shane Burgess used to clip his eye. And I always, I always remember Shane Burge, not necessarily because of the tournaments he won, but for his throw, or like yeah. a Martin Schindler, because he seems to throw it up to the point of his head. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, everyone has a different way of throwing. It's just, yeah, they're comf- you know, how they're comfortable. But yeah. I always remember throw on walk-ons and entrances. And obviously, when they win more, you know all about them. They win more. But as you kind of touched into the WWE's character and how they... I, mean, I remember one of the guys that WWE that I... When I met them, were totally different to what I thought, which was Kane. Mm. When he, when I first saw Kane, um, obviously, was a, I mean, he's pyro. I've said it before in here. Two times I thought I was going to crap myself was when his pyro went off unexpectedly when you didn't expect it. The idea when you know who his opponent is, you're like, okay, yeah. he's coming out in a minute. I, I'm going to because his his music changed from he started having a bit of music before his pyro to bang, and then slow chemical would come on. Yeah, those are the two times where there's a house show and a, a raw tape in that. But anyway, when I met the guy, he was like the nicest, you, know, you wouldn't think it was the same guy that you've just seen scaring the living shit out of you. On a, on a, on a... Yeah, you wouldn't expect Kane's first name to be Glenn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally, like Glenn, Glenn Jacobs. What you know, <laughs> I don't know, it's one of those. Um, but yeah, going back to the crossover, that was great. And obviously, the, the tour was just totally transformed. I mean, the PVC. Obviously, Barry and um, what's his sorry Eddie now as well. Eddie, yeah, uh, yeah. Eddie, uh, it's changed dramatically for the good. I mean, obviously, there's more prize money, there's more events. It's transformed globally. You're going to MSG and you're doing all this stuff, but it does have the same impact as a wrestler when you're constantly traveling. I would assume. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about coming back from Austria. I got back 8 p.m. on Monday night after starting at 6:30 a.m. So the journey involved uh, a taxi to the train station the train to vienna another train from vienna to vienna airport then the flight to heathrow and then the driving home so it was a long long day yeah. there are times when the traveling home from european events for example is very easy you might fly from dusseldorf back to gatwick and you might be back in the house in an hour but yeah. sometimes these trips are are pretty bruising i mean for the premier league guys at the minute they have to they have to be there on a Wednesday night. So they, they get there, the promoter, the PDC, know that they're there the night before. It's it's a security thing. And then take Chris Dobie at the minute, a really good friend of mine who lives in New, uh, north of Newcastle. So he had to go to the Premier League and then he's got to go to Austria and then he comes back and then he's got to go to qualifiers and then play Pro Tour events. I've never seen him so tired as last Friday. I looked at his eyes and I thought, wow. I've never seen you look like this. And he is just living on adrenaline. And I, I, I completely understand what he's going through. But if you've, you've, you've got to get those constructive breaks in there. And if you don't, you're going to find yourself completely wiped by the early portion of May. It's a, it's a tough schedule. Yeah. Do you think that's why we're seeing, seeing a few more injuries now? Austin Aspinall had the injury in his arm. And that's kind of affecting his throw a little bit. You know, it seems like he's stopping and starting again. I think that's why we're seeing a bit more recurrence of a few injuries now because it's constant like it is. Yeah, I think so. I think I think over use of your arm and and the mental side of things, yeah. it can have a really big detrimental effect. 
And we, I always bring this example up from, I think it's 2018, because Daryl Gurney was in the Premier League yeah. and Daryl was playing everything. Yeah. Start of 2018, all the way through to the World Match Play in the summer, he played in every single tournament, every European event, every Players' Championship, uh, every major, and on top of that, obviously, the Premier League as well. And by the time he got to the match play, he was completely shot. He won his first game there. And I think even five years later, he'll say he doesn't know how. And then after that tournament, he, he was glad he was not in, involved in the World Series in Australia. He took a month off. And then when we went to our first event in September of that year, he looked like a completely different person because he's had a break. And he's learned from that. Yeah. And I think everybody should learn from that. Learn from what Michael Van Gerwen does now and what Phil Taylor used to do do your schedule properly. Take those constructive breaks. And if you do, then you're going to be uh, exposing the people who don't do that properly. I think that's a bit more of like a, obviously a wrestling thing. If you take time off, you can go on a pedestal. You might not get time off. Sure, but, uh, if you also think that's obviously the, the rankings. I know some of these ain't ranking events and money, but obviously you've got to cut off to where you have to go to Q school. Do you mm -hmm. think that's always a concern for some of the ones that they would just play, 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 so they try to avoid that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, rankings anxiety with some of these players. They think, well, I'm you know, 17th on the qualifying list for the world match play. I have to play everything I'm in. And to a certain extent, that's true. But you do have to listen to your brain. You've got to listen to your body and you've got to do things right. I think someone like Ryan Searle, for instance, who recently decided not to go to a, a European event, and it's proven to be completely the right decision. He came back at the weekend. He looked really fresh. And he's got an, a nice schedule of about four straight weeks coming up. And then he'll have another break before uh, things in June. So even he, um, he's not one of the most experienced guys. He's been, you know, sort of at the top level for the last four years. But he's learning to do things the right way. And I think people just have to learn from that, don't they? Because they're going to feel the... The downside of it, if they don't learn, it's um, rankings pressure is it's not just one fold. It's probably about four fold these days because there are so many different avenues into different tournaments. You've got to be ranked in the Players' Championship Order of Merit, the European Order of Merit, yeah. the Pro Tour Order of Merit and the World Rankings as well. Everybody's got something to shoot for. But if you don't get your schedule right, you, you are going to fail. Exactly. That. It's going off my last one. How he comes on, does what he does, and it throws the car to Dan Diver mode. He comes on and he's giving him. Like, you're breaking your arm before you even throw a dart. Yeah. Uh, sensational. But yeah, I think I think the lesson coming on some of the wrestlers nowadays, you know, have every day, obviously without a, you know, that there is you do have to listen to your mind and your body. Even as you say, people would not say, well, how do you do that from darts? But there's the arms. There is even. The traveling, the moving around, and even just moving off and on the hockey sometimes. We've seen them fall over on the hockey sometimes, yeah. fall up the stairs and things like that. You know, and you don't understand, but that could be not necessarily just because they fell over. It could just be the amount of tournaments and stuff that they've done. So they need mm. to take their uh, they take their health seriously. Well, not seriously, but they need to be a bit more wary about the health. Um, yeah. Okay. Shot clock time. So, Mr. Steve Austin, you can't sue me for this because he's not trading. So uh, he plays a game on his podcast called Shot Clock. Normally he has a timer and he asks them about random questions. Generally, they're not wrestling related, but some of them are. But for our point of view, they're all wrestling. Um, there is one that stumps people in particular, and I'll tell you that once before I ask it. So, okay. Again, I'll play with you. I will change it because I've, I've obviously asked some of these before, so and I've given so there'll be different answers on different podcasts. 
Um, favorite match that you've ever seen? That you've, you've been there in person, not that you've been on the telly. Oh, uh, AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. Brilliant. I that, saw... that was live, and that was just... I, I didn't look at my phone once. I was tunnel visioned, and I couldn't yeah. wait for the end. It was brilliant. I was, One of my favourite matches that I went to see live was never televised, um, and it was Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker. Um, it was... I wasn't sure if it's before No Way Out or after, maybe the WrestleMania tour they used to do after. Um, it was 45 minutes. It was in the XL Arena. And my God, I I just remember sitting there. And I, obviously, like I told you before, I kind of just, did you say Tunnel Vision? Mm. And I just was like, this is crazy. This is incredible. And obviously, I've seen AJ Styles as well. But that match for me would always live out for me. Um, yeah. What's the funniest segment or line that you've heard on wrestling TV? Or even the one that made you go, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, I think it was the Kurt Angle bit with the guitar. You know, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. I mean, that just had me in stitches. Yeah. And it, 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 it's got a permanent residence in my head. I mean, how he did that without laughing, I've got no idea. I can't, I, I can't imagine if that magic doing the outtake. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the ones that I would say is under it made me laugh more than it should have done. I'm not necessarily saying it was hilarious, but it made me laugh more than what it should have done. Santina Morella was in a bit of a, a feud with not say a feud, but he was basically coming out every week rinsing Austin about. I think it was the condemned. I think it, was, it might have been the condemned. It was a film that he had bringing out. And he came out with Beth Phoenix, and it just tickled me more than what it should have done, just because if you know wrestling, you'll understand it. Mm. He was going on and on, and he went, and JR won't reach the point of orgasm. <laughs> it was just his deliverance of it. And you knew he was going to get, you knew he was going to come yeah. out, you know, his butt kick. But it was just the way he delivered the line. One of the Jimmy Crack great. A lot of DX stuff. Yeah. All right. This is the one that gets a lot of the wrestlers. You may have it quite easily. The best wrestling entrance music. <clears throat> <laughs> exactly what I get as a response. Uh, oh, Jesus, that is really hard. I know. <laughs> I have to I have change to go it. The, the Ultimate Warrior. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I just get, I mean, that that snap when he takes on the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. I mean, the, the Honky Tonk's look, I mean, he sold that really well. Yeah, it, just, yeah. I had no idea. Just yeah. the way he turned. It and that, everybody my age can remember that. And they think just spine tingling. Uh, and I think even now you play that and you think that's my childhood right yeah. there. I'm a little bit younger than you, but not by much, but I remember that. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go, I, I said, and I, I said that one on Monday, I'm going to go with NWO this time. I've said quite a few. So that was a, yeah. I said um, Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Child on Monday um, for with Sal. Changing it slightly. So not entrance music, but the best entrance. Uh, that's got to be the brood. Yes, yeah, like Ryan. It was yeah. just superb. Yeah, I know. I always say, and, and it's not because he's one of the greatest of all time, it's because I always say that I'm going to say The Undertaker. I always say The Undertaker. And it's because I swear to God, they, I say this every time I say it, they put the aircon on off when he, and it, it's colder. I don't know if it's because you're in that moment because that gong goes off, you're up, you're like, you're going crazy. And then I don't know, I get goosebumps or I get, I'm getting it now. Um, and it's just that whole, I swear, to, I swear to God, they turn the air con uh, mm. and it gets colder in the arenas, whether it's a separate thing or whether you're just in that moment. But yeah. for me, just the fixation, just for that, being there live when he's come out, I've actually been right near where the fire shoots up. That's hot. 
yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, for me. That it always does it for me. I won't. Uh, I won't change. If you could book your dream match with wrestler like, living or, or, or passed away, who would it be and why? Uh, Punk, yep. definitely. Uh, just because total package for me, and it would involve probably four or five weeks of sledging leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Brett the Hitman Hot, brilliant, that would be awesome. I'm gonna go with Shawn Michaels, AJ Styles. <clears throat> I tell you what, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big AJ fan, I, I absolutely yeah. adore him. Yeah, um, I just get the feeling that Hitman versus uh, yeah, versus Punk would work. Well, Punk Stone Cold, if you want to sledge it, that would be uh, match quality may not necessarily Punk could go with anybody, obviously, but Austin, you know, we know that he's not necessarily a one trick pony or something, yeah. Know? Um, in your opinion, who's the most underrated wrestler? Oh, at the minute or throughout time? Yeah, just think of whoever you think of it. One of the ones that comes into your head. Ricky Steamboat, probably. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go over a bit late. I'm going to say, and I always say it's Cesaro. I always think, how the yeah, hell? Yeah, that's a huge shout. Yeah, I like that. You know, I mean, obviously, in AEW now, a ring of honor, he's now champion. Um. The final one, and this is a weird one, because of Monday, um, what's your favourite championship that's ever been put out? Um, <laughs> that, that's a really good question, actually. <laughs> I, um, I really did like the, the 24-7 championship with R-Truth. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was quite interesting because you just felt like anything was possible. Yeah. And it was just a little bit different as well. Mm-hmm. And... I like the interchanging of the belts at one time when you know Cena did the spinning belt and you know that was that was nice. And real on to my favorite was the rated R belt. So I um at the time I used to like Cena when he got shoved down a throat a bit like what's that turn against? I was just like yeah, I can't be bothered and I booed him and it's actually a top I do when I met him I booed him before I booed him together. Oh no pressure. I was forgot to tell you off there. This is the first interview that we've done since he started following us on Twitter. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, anyway, if you, if you watch. Um, but uh, the edge belt, the spinner, uh, I got it because everyone didn't like it. I suppose it's just rebellious. But finally got him to sign it. Um, I um, I got it. I was going to take it to America to WrestleMania, and I didn't. Um, and then he retired. Right. Nice. Shit. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, Jeff Hardy ended up signing. I had a joke with Jeff Hardy saying we're never going to win that belt. Um, and I cut RVD signed it as well. Uh, he nice. was doing Comic Con uh, in London, RVD, and they announced Edge. And I was like, this is it. Like, I, this is going to be my only, probably my only chance going down there and finally got it done and got a picture with it. And Wonderful. It's going to be my favorite one. Uh, but we're going to start, unfortunately, we've got to start wrapping up. And I hate it because I can talk to guests for hours no matter who they are. You've got a passion for wrestling and belts and wrestling. I could talk for hours. But do you want to um, start telling everyone what, obviously, what you're doing, when they can get hold of you, what PDC calendar, anything you want, go for it. <clears throat> right. At the minute, I mean, I'm, I'm going to the Motor Super Series tomorrow, which is available uh, yep. on Sporting Stuff TV in the UK and the Motor Super Series YouTube channel worldwide. Yes. We've got our uh, the end of our Week 12 qualifying this week, and it's Champions Week next week. So the winner of yep. next week will get 20 grand, which is a big money payout for somebody. Yep. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, PDC commentary over the next few weeks in places like Belgium, uh, Czech Republic, and uh, all sorts of different uh, places. Dance. For the rest of the year. So you yeah, got with Dan. 
with Dan Dawson. Yeah, Dan Dawson will be there. I'll be with uh, Rob Malarkey, Chris Murphy, some of the usual suspects. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're all great guys to work with. And yeah. girls as well, because we work with Ab Abigail Davis, who's a yes. fantastic football person, and she yeah. does a lot of darts as well. But uh, doing some darts coaching as well with miscellaneous people, whether they be professionals or amateurs. I love doing that, just giving something back to mm -hmm. the next generation and just trying to stay healthy and, and fit and happy over the summer. And hopefully we'll get some sunshine sometime soon. Yeah, at some point, I don't know what sun is. I'll obviously carry on watching wrestling. Um, okay, I've got a lot, so I apologise. Our sponsors, we love them. We sponsor them. Um, Ignite Wrestling Pro I have a show on Sunday. If you want to come and see me, I don't charge for anything. So they're going to put on a bitter end um, show. And then we're going to they're going to announce have already announced it is buckle up uh it's the pay-per-view or not pay-per-view but it's the event that we've paid for uh here uh it's hitting turnbuckle we've got our own event coming buckle up there is going to be another announcement of buckle up which is going to continue our partnership i'll tell you off there uh, yeah we can't uh, i can't announce it on there okay the jurassic pro wrestling i went to see their show in harridge in essex a couple of weeks ago it was fantastic they've got primal instincts on the 4th of june um <laughs> And actually put, this is Jurassic Pro, it's off of Jurassic Park, but they have a fatal claw way uh, for the Lost World Championship. Nice. Which is currently held by the Saucy Geezer, Nick Payne, who I had my issues with when I went to uh, have a chat with him. Uh, so get down and see that. Uh, Pro Wrestling Partners in Wales, they have Coronation of the King. You know what weekend that is. I'm not even going to have to tell you what weekend that is. Uh, so get down there. We have a tag team called Beers and Beatdowns. What a name. I love those guys. Um, we sponsor them. We've just got the merchandise sorted, so they're going to have hitting the turnbuckle merchandise with us uh, as part of their next merchandise campaign that they launch out. Uh, Corey McRae is another wrestler that we sponsor. He was over in Austria in Germany, recently doing his thing. He will be at the bitter end. Uh, I'll catch up with him. Looking forward to it. Someone that may you may know or may soon know. Uh, he's going to be doing the Windmill Challenge. Uh, I think in a couple of weeks. Uh, Matt Past, his name is, and he will be having the Hitting the Turnbuckle logo on. Fantastic. So if you see him, you'll know it's us. Um, I need to touch on guests. Bear with me. Google calendar time because they have been increasing by the day. We've had four today. It's been fantastic. Tomorrow, me and Andy celebrate Rusev Day with Aidan English or Matt Ryweld. I need to get his name. Surname He's going to be joining us. Uh, next Wednesday, we continue our partnership with NWA with the commentator Tony Lacasso join us. The NWA guys have been fantastic. Uh, I can't wait for that. Next Thursday, we've got X NXT UK tag champion Flash Morgan Webster on the show. The following Thursday, the 11th, we have the professor of professional wrestling Bobby Fish uh, coming on to chat. The following week, the guy announced himself. He took over our we're going to be going extreme with just incredible uh, on the on the 18th. On the 21st, we meet another NWA second generation wrestler, AJ Kazana. On the 23rd of May, we meet EC3. Uh, that should be in a very interesting conversation. Um, there's a couple that I can't mention yet because they're not confirmed. But the week before my birthday, we have a lovely chat with Angelina Love from. Guys, uh, I'm, we're going to call it there, unfortunately. It's, Paul, it's been, for me, as I said, from a personal aspect, it has been tremendous to be able to talk to you. I do appreciate you taking your time out of your day today to talk to us. 
and good luck and good health going forward. And we hope to have you on very soon. Thank you very much. And uh, would you like to know one quick um, wrestling story just before we go? Please. <clears throat> um, about 10 years ago, I was uh, quite pally with Jeremy Borash. Yes, Impact is um, yeah, we did we did some stuff together, yes. you know, some dart stuff. And Jeremy's a great guy, big darts fan as well. I don't tend to keep in touch with him now because he's very, very busy and I don't want to intrude on his time. But he um he asked me for some some favors when TNA came over here and I was down at Camden when they had some, some parties and things like that. I remember. And it was great. He he introduced me around to some people and uh I actually got the chance to meet Kurt Angle when he was in TNA and we played some yes. darts together. That was fantastic. And some of the <laughs> best photos I've got from that, but one thing that Jeremy did for me, which I will always be grateful, he made one of my dreams come true. Oh. It was in, in Nottingham. And he said, do you want to come up and watch for the night? And he said, just make it a bit more interesting. Why don't you get dressed in a suit? And I said, okay, fair enough. I'll turn up, <laughs> suited, booted, tie, yep. sunglasses, the lot. And he said, you're going to be walking Bobby Roode to the ring. Amazing. And the photographs from that are some of the best memories of my entire life. And Amazing. uh if anybody wants to see those, a couple of those photos, I'd be happy to post them. Please do. Uh, we'll, we'll tag you in this uh, when it's out. Please post them. I, I'd love to see them myself. Um, we'll chat off there briefly. I'll tell you a couple of little bits briefly. Do you, know, you know what the best thing about the whole night was, though? When I brought him to the ring and the whole thing was over, he said, at the end of it, you're going to have an argument with Bobby and Austin Aries. And he said, just shoot on him. And I called Austin Aries this close to it. I said, you're nothing but a shrimp and you can't live in Bobby Roode's shoes. <laughs> and I said that to Austin and backstage he just said well played man <laughs> that it was brilliant that is awesome and what a way to end it with that story guys this has been the Hit the Turnbuckle podcast I've been your host big thanks to Paul Nicholson I'll be back later with a Raw review if you guys want to see my face again later on I'll be doing a Raw review on my own and the Egyptian until next time guys all the very best Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. Twitter, you can find us at HTT Buckle. Facebook, just search the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. <laughs>